This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. So uh, a bit of a bump in the road uh, this week, unfortunately. You know, we come away from Ipswich with, of course, nothing uh, to show for it. Now, as always, lots to discuss, uh, a lot to cover on uh, that, that particular game and also, of course, this weekend against Watford. Uh, but firstly, uh, permanent fixture, Daniel Buxton. How are you, mate? How's your week been? Uh, not too bad, so I'd say, yeah, I'm good. Um, yes, bump in the road, but nothing more than that. Every group we go again. Yeah, so it's, it's little bump. It's a, it's a tiny speed bump that the the council have accidentally left in the road. They didn't mean to do it. That's pretty much where we are. Yeah. No, if you'd have said pothole, that'd have been more believable. <laughs> yeah, so true. Um, absolutely. Well, thank you. Always good to uh, speak to you, of course. Now, uh, a voice that you would have no doubt heard on the Christmas special, and we we're, we're trying to think back and we think you were also on the pod um after this but anto how has your summer and uh, the last week been it's been good it's been really good the last week it obviously a bit uh, sad about saturday we didn't we didn't really put a performance in um but excited you know seeing players come in well i think uh, some young ones as well good young players who are going to give something to look forward to and they'll knit as the season goes on I'm absolutely convinced about that. I mean, great, great first week. You've already discussed that on the Rodham, post-Rodham thing. Yeah. And, uh, okay, a setback on Saturday. But I do think it's just, it's just it looked like a team that we're not used to each other as, you know, and so uh, not worried about it and looking forward to the season. So from the players, obviously, that we've signed, obviously, we've signed 11 of them. I know we've talked about it ourselves, but obviously, as, as the guest, I want to get your opinion. If, if you had to maybe choose one player you're most excited to see, whereabouts are you on that front? Um, it was nice to see Pearson sign fully. You know, I think everybody likes Ben Pearson. He, he works very hard for the side in both halves. Uh, Vidigal, over the, I think everybody would agree, you know, looks a good player. He, he'll take people on. Uh, we probably haven't seen the best of Chiquino. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, he's been in and out or on, on and off the pitch, substitution. Um, I don't know how you pronounce it, actually. May, 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 May? May, I think people were going, going for now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, uh, look, 
a little disappointing. But once again, he's going to have to knit in a little bit. So I've not really been disappointed with any of the signings. I think he's, you know, he's picked some places we needed to either cover or renew. Um, it's nice to see over back. Uh, looking through the side, uh, Wesley's going to be interesting because he's massive. And, he is a uh, unit, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is a massive unit. And as the, as the season goes on, once again, he's going to get fitter and fitter. And he he can only be good for us, I think. He gives us a presence. Um, I was surprised we kept Gale on. But, but not, I'm not really, you know, anxious about that either. I don't think it's a bad thing. He certainly came on in the game. The, was it the, the Rotherham game? We played very well. It was the cup match, wasn't it? He set the goal up, the, the, the 2 1. Yeah, so he, uh, he had the shot and yeah. off the post, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. 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 Well, you know, okay. no, everybody's bought in, I think, it's a good, a good move, good signing. And I'm not too disappointed with anybody. Well, mate, good to have you. As I say, we'll uh, we'll be talking a lot, but um, yeah. So, like I said, we we've come away from from Ipswich. Obviously, a two 0 result uh, for them. Goals from uh, Wolf and Dunn and Jackson obviously secured them the three points. Not what we kind of um, wanted at all. I mean, as a I'm going to give a very brief kind of match summary uh, before we get into the detail. But I think it's safe to say that Ipswich had a a really comfortable win, a very much deserved win. Uh, when I looked at the stats, I think it's something like they had 22 shots and I think 9 or, or 10 were on target. There was about the same again, kind of off target. I mean, they they had, they just had complete domination. Now, the one thing they didn't dominate was possession, but I think the possession that they did have, clearly they made work. Uh, and at the end of the day, they had the impact where it mattered and that was up front. You know, they, they, they've still managed to get, grab a couple of goals. But one thing I wanted to address, because... <laughs> Now, there's been a little bit of noise in the week. So I made comments last week um, and I wanted to address them just because uh, I think maybe I could have worded it a little bit better here. But I made some quite passionate comments. Now, Dan knows what this is about. Anto, I'm not sure if you heard of them. But um, basically, what I kind of said was that, you know, actually, I think I triggered a lot of Ipswich fans and I didn't mean it. And, and firstly, thank you for listening. If you are listening back to this to see what I've got to say about it. But my opinion was said with a lot of enthusiasm after back-to-back wins. And I'm, I'm never going to apologize for an opinion. I, however, probably didn't take into account the one thing that I think Dan and uh, I think Graham took into account was actually the home form and the fact that, you know, those players were, were kept together last season. And, um, you know, they have a very clear way of playing, clear identity and obviously that has brought the nature of uh, how they played and, and, and obviously won the game. They've got they've clearly got, you know, passionate fans as well. So I don't think I'd maybe took that into account maybe. So let's just say I could have been less harsh about the way I said it, but I would probably stress here and I spoke to the um the actual Ipswich podcast as well and they kind of agreed with this is when you're recording you know, you're, you're passionate and, and I don't edit stuff out of this podcast unless it's absolutely necessary. So sometimes you say something with a bit more vigor or passion or, you know, you might not think of everything in the actual moment. So um, now, Anto, basically, just just to give you a bit of overview, if you did miss it, in short, I said I wouldn't swap any of their players for hours, which obviously is like, you know, rag to a ball, right? Uh, like As soon as they go and win, you're going to get comments back. You can probably appreciate that, can't you? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, they they were like, oh, would, would, you know, would you would you still have any now? The honest answer is no, I wouldn't, because 
for me to change my entire opinion based on 90 minutes of football would be idiotic. Like, I've got I've got an opinion. Now, they, as I said, they've got the momentum. They've got the cohesion. You know, United were crap the other night. Wolves were far better than them. Does that mean that United are going to swap all their players for Wolves? No, of course it bloody doesn't. So what I'm trying to say here, Luke, they clearly and utterly deserve to beat us the other night. But I'm not going to apologise for that comment because until, let's say, the reverse fixture in January, let's see where we all are at that point. Let's see how we've settled in as a as a unit. Um, you know, We've got 11 strangers pretty much trying to find a way of playing together. Let's see where we are then. But I think for anyone to expect me to change my opinion based on 90 minutes of football is ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. So read into that what you will. I just want to say my piece. Like, all credit to Ipswich. You absolutely deserved it. So, yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. Um, and and to all Dan, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you make any comments. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm being unreasonable personally, but it's a matter of opinions. That's what football is all about. I just looked through this. I just looked through their side. Saturday, and I totally agree with you. I wouldn't, sw- I wouldn't disrupt any either. It's one of them, isn't it? like football. We know isn't isn't played on paper. Christ, if it, if it was, then first first season down, you know, from the Premier League, you'd expect us to go back up. Quite clearly, it's far more than that, and we know that as football fans, it's not, it's not what it's about. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change that uh, opinion side at all. Um, but yeah, thanks for all the people that were listening from Ipswich. And it's, again, it's nothing, nothing wrong at all. If somebody said something against, you know, Stoke City in a different way that was completely wrong, I'd, I'd probably have a comment about it. Um, so fair dues, no. But you put yourself out there, Dan. You, you expect to be shot at sometimes, don't you? You would. I mean, there was, there was a guy on Facebook, uh, Reet Rongo, was his name, and he said, uh, yeah. "Your comments that annoyed him were, I'm not really concerned at all about Ipswich." Not a single Ipswich player gets in my, in our team. Morsey isn't good enough for this level. Have we have to be beating teams like Ipswich? Well, I didn't even mention Morsey. I don't think. Um, <laughs> now, I think that might have been one that you mentioned. Now, yeah, I, I, again, I'm, yes, I, I it said it's we shouldn't be worried about Ipswich if we've got promotion ambitions. So, if you want to take chunks to make it fit a narrative, that's fine. I gave more context to that, and it. Based on if we want to be like going for promotion, because I don't think as good as Ipswich looked, and obviously they they still got the promote you know the promotion feeling, they will not be at the top end of that pit of uh, that league for me. They they but, won't become the end of the season. They'll have a great season. I'm confident of that. But they aren't going to be in the top two or top five or six. I don't think they will anyway. We've got to remember it was their first home game back in the Championship. There's twenty nine thousand people there. You know the atmosphere was outstanding. Yeah, it was. were outstanding because this league's always going to be a difficult one, and you get, teams have been taking points off each other all over the place, just like last year. I, I just hope we take more. Like you say, that that home game. I think even when the game had kicked off, and there was you know sort of discussion and comments flying around, and you know we, why aren't we? You know, we don't look anything like the team we're against Rotherham, and we you know we look so bad and all this. And I remember I sort of replied to a couple of them saying, well, to be honest, the first half an hour is all about staying level and quieting the crowd down. That's the main objective in the first half an hour. Yeah, obviously, if you get yourself in front, fantastic. But but if not, as long as you can, like I say, get yourself a foothold in the game, sort of slow it down a bit, stop, you know, stop them getting any momentum and hopefully in time quieting the crowd and then you've got a chance... And just just as we started to do it, 
I mean, we'll get into the game now where we just have started to do it. They scored and then that was it. They wanted the crowd were up and, and they stayed up for the rest of the game. Yeah, and they they were they, they were good though, weren't they? I mean, they were behind them all game. Like the the pressure, it was interesting because obviously we've been playing a very high pressure game, um, and that's just the way that we like to play. But I think the quality that they had on the ball is when we were pressing, and because we weren't, I'll use the word again, we weren't extremely cohesive. They are, and we were pressing, and we were leaving gaps, and they could just pick them off. Uh, that is the benefit of having a team that are used to playing with each other um, by the sounds of things. And um, again, I, I'm not, again, a bit of naivety from maybe not understanding how they were playing, etc. you know, last week. But you could see that these guys knew exactly what the game plan was. They're well drilled um, and they just picked us apart from front to back, picked us apart. I thought we didn't really get any, Dan. I know you were saying we were getting just as we were getting any, but we didn't really get any until probably 10 minutes before half time. No, and then, and then the ten minutes after we played very well, just for them first ten minutes of the second half, and we had chances. Anything we'd have got from the game, if we'd have got something from the game, you know, Ipswich deserved to win. I was going to say, what did you make about the whole Chico situation being off after thirty minutes? I don't think he did that at all once last season, did he? That was a bit of bold move, I think. No, I don't was... think he quite had the the options to do that really last season. I think this is the beauty now of having the high competition and. And people going for places if someone's not performing or something's not working. And to be honest, from what I see, we, were, we weren't really getting out. We were barely getting out and keeping the ball, were we? And I think Wesley really changed and gave us a bit of a foothold and able to actually get the ball down and, and control it and bring others into play that we didn't have. Not necessarily saying it was Chico's fault that wasn't happening, but just the way we were set up wasn't working. And he had the balls to change at early doors, so fair play. We passed it poorly early on as well. We passed it really poorly. It was it's something that we've done in away games quite regularly, where we've lost possession. Where did it go wrong for you though, Anto? Was it a matter of that we're, we're all new to each other? Was it just that they were far too good for us, or what? What was the Achilles heel, if you like? It was a mixture of everything. I do, I do think it's people getting used to each other. You know, different. Make, making runs that people aren't picking up, or they're playing it, the, you know, the wrong way. That, but the easiest things, the short passing and everything, was was poor early on. But it's all right saying. I know we played well in the first, the, the first league game, and then the league cup game we played well in. But um, there was no cohesion there. It just didn't look right. Just didn't look right. And I don't, I don't know why that was. Maybe you know, like I say, they were up for it. They were, they were pressing really well. I mean, as I say, the goal's disappointing. I mean, the first goal disappointed me because that, that ball's travelled in a hell of a long way to the just outside the six-yard box. And when it's going that far and it's coming across the goal, it's not as he's swinging away from the goalkeeper. I'd want the goalkeeper to come and take that every day of the week. Um, I, I'm not going to start picking on Travers because I think he's a good keeper. Uh, but you're going you're gonna to have to come for them. It, it travelled what? 50 yards maybe in the air from the from the angle and uh, it was just too easy for the lad to get in there I mean he got that close to the goal that when he did edit he was actually diving backwards into the net to try and keep it out you know uh, probably three or four steps and a jump even if he got a fist on it or or caught it would have got us out of trouble because that ball's travelled a long way yeah he sort of takes half a step forward doesn't he, he does. and he decides nah he <laughs> 
He's got right, plenty fine. of time. The, the, how he's flighted in. All he's got to do is come and get a put even if he just punches it, and it knocks it, you know, yeah. get something on it and knocks it wide for a throw-in or something. Yeah, and so I, I see what you mean. I've I've just taken a quick uh relook at the goal and I think he's spot on. Like the, the ball comes in and either you're right, either either Travers goes for it, patches it, punches it, clobbers three people, gets himself whatever, or he stays on his line and he kind of almost does half of of both of them and it, unfortunately I think he's put himself in a really bad position in the goal in the end and it looks like a bit of a weak dive almost yeah. almost a Jack, Jack Bonham-esque dive and um, you know it's he's diving backwards it, yeah it, by then he's diving backwards already into his own goal the, the ball's already crossed the line so yeah it's a it's a poor goal to to kind of concede is that again he doesn't know. He's not there with the team yet. He doesn't know if he's going to have someone to head it away, or is he going to? You know, is he going to have to deal with that? Maybe that's a learning curve for him uh, to figure out when he needs to come and go. But I think you were right. He's a good goalkeeper. There's no doubt about that. I don't oh, think. Oh yes. Oh yes, definitely. So the second goal. This was the. Uh, <laughs> but this again, the good good passage of play. You, you know, you've got to give him credit for that. We tried to put the pressure on. It's a break, and they again they pick us apart. You can call into question. The amount of space, I think, that they're... I can't remember who it was in the middle, but um, the amount of space that they had in the middle just to run at us for most of it, and the ball's played across, they defend it. I think Wilmot, actually, if I remember rightly, I think Wilmot is... Um, again, he's kind of lost sight of his man. The covering defender behind him is not picked them up. It was a bit of just... It was just a bad all-round defensive, um, uh, defensive position in everything. There's, there's five Stoke players in the box and one Ipswich player, and he eludes us all. Yeah. If you have another look at it, there's five players there. There's only one Ipswich player in that box when he put when he because they've all come back, and they've all just let the one man. I mean, he's obviously drifted off Ben Wilmot, but there's enough players there. You shouldn't lose one man in the box when there's five of you. I'm just, I'm just again, I've got it in front of me here, and you, you, you're spot on. I mean, Pearson's gone to close his man down. He's running at us, plays it out to the right. Wilmot's marking him initially. If you watch that goal back, for me, watch what Rose does. Well, Rose comes in front of Wilmot. He leaves that gap. So Wilmot's tried yeah. to close it down from the front and he's left the gap behind him and he's just standing there on his own. Yeah, to me, Wilmot's taking up the position of cutting out the, the ball that comes in low, expecting Rose to be covering the man behind him. And all of a sudden, Rose is in front of him. The ball gets played in, and the guy's on his own behind him. Like, why does Rose switch? Why does Rose switch and go in front of him? Yeah, again, the, the danger. The danger is the ball into the back post. If the ball's played into the near post, Wilmot's got that covered. So why does he go near post? Yeah, but bad, uh, bad judgment. He doesn't call. give Hoover time to get across. To get to the, the the back post. Yeah, well, like I say, it wasn't a, a goal that we want to be rewatching again. I mean, with this one, Travers hasn't got a cat and house chance. It's oh, just a, a really solid, solid finish. Bad defending, bad marking, bad decision making. Um, like it's it's a yeah, it's a poor goal in it. Let's be honest. Horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, were there any other kind of key takeaways you took from the game? We've we've covered quite a bit there generally. Um, I mean, for me, I think the key takeaway I take here is. We are not the finished article. We need plenty more time to gel. The right team won at the end of the day, and we need to. You know, we've got a 
tough game which we'll cover you know we'll cover in a minute with Watford you know we've got some tricky games coming up as well as you said every game is tricky but were, were there any particular kind of comments from you Dan around maybe the, again your key takeaways from the goal or is it as I've said more time to gel better decision making so pretty much that yeah to me there's the makings of a very good side we've signed some very very good footballers um, done some great transfer business and we just give, need to give them time. We knew before the season started, to be honest, we've been very lucky to have those two home games, the performances that we did, and the results that we did, you know, could easily have gone the other way because of the amount of turnover, both playing staff, um, coaching staff, behind the scenes, everything. We were so lucky to have, like I say, that start. And I think it may be skewed opinions and expectations a bit too high in the early stages. Um, don't get me wrong, in time, I think this team is capable of doing something that will really, you know, will take them to our hearts kind of thing, what they're capable of doing. But in the short term, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be bumps in the road. And you know what, if you're expecting anything less, then I'm sorry, you're expecting too much, in my opinion. Yeah, fair comment. Absolutely, mate. Uh, Anto, anything to add to that? I think it's well said. Oh, it's it's a pothole. It's a pothole that can be filled in. I'm, I'm still excited. I aren't worried. Not worried about the season at all. Perfect. Um, and I thought it would be interesting just to take a quick look at, uh, obviously, Alex Neil's post-match comments as well. Um, he basically said he had, he had no complaints after the 2-0 loss. He thought that, you know, obviously they performed better. Uh, we kept giving the ball away too much. They finished off by saying that you know they were really brave. They went one for one all over the pitch, and we pretty much lost um, every individual duel uh, across the pitch as well, whether it be a header, tackle, whatever it was, uh, we lost it all. He says, you know, you can talk about tactics to the cows come home, but if you don't win individual duels, you're going to lose the game. It's really as simple as that. Um, and I think that More was well. Honesty. Yeah. It's weird, aren't they? Exactly. That is he's, he's, he's spot on. So, um, yeah, well done uh, to Ipswich on the win. Uh, it be interesting to see where we are. As I said, come, come January the 1st, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that one, actually. Um, Again, I think it'll be two good football insides that are well used to playing with each other again and uh, be very, very interesting to see where both teams are. But uh, Dan, man of the match results. Now, a hard one with a performance like that. Whenever we lose, it's always a tricky one. Last time I looked, I think it was Travers and Wilmot going head to head for top spot. But uh, what were the final scores on the doors, mate? Uh, yeah, Travers quite comfortable. 220 votes, 228 votes. Uh, Travers got 105 of them. Uh, Wilmot got 70-odd. And then third place was uh, Wesley, obviously the first half sub, which I think he probably was credited with the sort of change around it and how we performed. And early player of the season standings, uh, Vidigal is out front. Last season's player of the year, Wilmot is up to second. And joint third for Daniel Johnson and Sol Sadibi. Now, quick comment on Loren. He come out after the game, didn't he, uh, Josh? And said, you know, he had a he had a poor game. He didn't have his best game. Do you think that was more? I mean, yeah, he, okay, he didn't have the best game, but neither did any of them, uh, bar the the odd one. Do you think that was more him down coming out as a as a captain, just to say, look, we won't. He'll take the blame because he's captain, but um, I think that was more of a, a collective apology or collected, collective acknowledgement to the to the shortcomings. Do you think it was more uh, the case of that? 
Um, unfortunately, I think I think he was getting a little bit of stick on on sort of Twitter and that, or X, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think he was there were quite a few people sort of sticking the boot in, saying how crap he'd played, and you know he was underperforming and that. And I think as as sort of captain, I think yeah, he sort of took it on the chin to say, you know what, I'll answer this. You know, one tweet answers all of them, kind of thing. Um, and yeah, he's he's come out, he's he's admitted. He underperformed, the team underperformed, and they're gonna, as we've said, they're gonna regroup and they're gonna come back, come back better. Yeah, spot on. Uh Anto, any final comments before we move into the uh the new section and wrap up the, the Ipswich overview? Oh, I think I'd rather forget the Ipswich game now and get on with something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't we all? Um, all right, perfect. Well, uh, that's obviously the review of the Ipswich game. Thanks to everyone, uh, again, who's commented from last week. Let's move into this week's news. So, Dan, um, let's talk youth. Uh, I think there was a few, uh, maybe a disappointing result or two, uh, under-21s and whatnot. I think they lost 2-0, if I remember rightly, against Reading. Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, the under-21s lost 2-0 at home to Reading in their season opener um, on Monday night, played at St George's Park. Not really um, the best start they wanted. It was quite a, quite a decent side, you know, captained by Lewis Macari. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they did have you know, a few names in there who, who you would expect at that level. And obviously, just answer the question of where, <laughs> where Lewis Macari has been, if he's still with the club. Um, so yeah, there is that. I mean, there was other, you know, um, obviously Blondie was in goal. Uh, Matt Baker played as well. The Okagbu played. Uh, Dimaggio, Rad Phillips also got a game. Nathan Lowe, Tom Sparrow. So there's some decent players out there. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, say Reading, uh, there was a double by a certain Jaden Wehrman. He got one in each half to get yeah, get the points. So yeah, not the not the best start. They aren't they aren't got a game this week. Um, but next week, the twenty uh, first of August, Monday night again, they're at home at St George's Park against Wolves. That's the under twenty one's next fixture. Uh, some under eighteen's news. Uh, well, this is not. This <laughs> is a little bit even worse. wasn't a good wasn't a good weekend for Stoke. Obviously, the first team lost two 0 at Ipswich. The uh, the under twenty ones lost two 0 to him to Reading, and the under eighteens, Ryan Shawcross's coaching um, sort of debut, if you like, as he's in there into his under eighteens sort of split coach. They lost a home to Leeds six one. Yeah, ouch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ali Hader um, scored quite a decent goal actually. It's actually made Twitter as that good. So it's cut in from the wing, beat a couple of players, and stuck it in the bottom corner from 25 yards. Uh, but that was the only goal we got, and that was a very late consolation as well. So yeah, not not ideal. Um, but don't worry because uh, it gets a little bit easier because uh, this week we are at home to uh, Manchester United. Yes, Manchester doesn't, doesn't United. Doesn't get much easier then. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that's another one as well. That there's no actual game this weekend, but that's the 26th. So yeah, next Saturday, like a week on Saturday, the next game for them, and that is it's home to Man United. So yeah, the uh, got two weeks to uh, drill it into Orion. Let's get him sorted, and and uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll do, I'm sure he'll do a grand job in time. At least he knows what he's working with now. 
Yeah, he's, he's got a very, very difficult job. Like, like we talked about very briefly the other week, like the players that are moving through the ranks and, and doing so coming to the first team earlier and earlier all the time, it seems right now. Um, there's a lot of talent to try and backfill there. And uh, I, I do think, like we said, it will be something that we will see the benefits of um, in the coming years. So Ryan's there. He knows the club. He will, in, at the very least, he will instill a, a mindset the fact that you play and give a 100%, if you don't, then don't expect to get anywhere at this club. I think he will instill all the values that we know that Ryan did while he played for us. So um, definitely the right man, I think, to have at the helm. And he come out this week, didn't he, and said that um, he turned down a couple of first-team first, first team coaching jobs as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he had options. Yeah, he did. And I think, um, I mean, if you look at that under, the under-21s team that played Reading on Monday... I mean, you've got you've got Will Smith playing in midfield, seventeen. You've got Sol Sadibi in the first team, sixteen. So there's two players who you know would be in the under 18s would wouldn't they, if they weren't progressed further already? You've got Nathan Lowe up front for the under 21s. He's seventeen. You've got Emre Tezgal, who would be in the under 18s. If so, but he obviously apart from injured, he's now a fully fledged first team member. Um, you've got Raquel and Jaffers who played for the under 21s. He could have been played with under-18s. And then there was a couple of subs as well. So it's not as if, yeah, I mean, you look at the results and go, well, the under-21 lost, under-18s lost. But actually, quite a young under it was quite a young under-21 side. And it, because of that, it was quite a young under-18 side. So mm-hmm. it's it's obviously, if you look beyond the results, it's uh, maybe not as worrying or as, as bad as you as you feel. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen, we'll, we'll be keeping on it all the way through, uh, of course, you know, the summer if we if we get a chance to, well, the whole season, not just the summer, should I say. Um, so, yeah, if we if we get a chance to get any down to any games, obviously we'll try and give any first-hand accounts as well because I, I do want to do that just like the women's team, uh, which I will, uh, in that little segue, I will, we love that word on this podcast, uh, in that little segue into the, uh, the, 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 the world, obviously, of the women's team. Now, Dan, you may have something to say about the women's team, but to be honest, there's, there's only one person who knows better better um and also a pod regular that everyone no doubt would have heard uh, and that of course is uh, stoke city ladies lou roberts so let's have a quick listen to what lou had to say about the women's team this summer and obviously in her hopes uh, for going forward hey lads it's been a while since we've caught up it's been a, a really busy summer for the men and for the women i think since the last time we caught up we just had the news that we were going to go semi-professional um since then, we've had significant changes. Everyone's been working really hard behind the scenes to make sure this season we're as competitive as possible. We've seen the departure of club captain Meg Bowyer after a 20-year reign at the club. Um, Meg's contribution was one of the, the most significant I've probably seen in women's football at this level for such a long period of time. So we've we've said goodbye to Meg and and wish her well. She'll retain her role within the club and, and she'll still be an important part of what we do, but we'll absolutely miss her on the pitch, no doubt about that. We've also seen the departure of a couple of long-standing players for lots of different reasons. Um, Kelsey Richardson moves on, Holly Gibson moves on, amongst others, um, that have decided to, to, to move on in the summer um, to find a new challenge. But we've also made sure that this summer we've recruited really strong. There was no secret at the end of the season. We've got a real ambition to drive on and, and be in that promotion cluster. And to do that, we needed to just add a little bit of depth and quality. So we've been busy doing that. And hopefully there'll be a press release in the next few days just to kind of 
to give a little bit of clarity, I don't want to let too many cats out the bag. Um, but we've had a really strong summer in terms of recruitment. And I think everybody in terms of the staff and the players is really positive about that. We've got a really good group together. Um, but we're also really conscious that we've got a new gaffer in. Um, Marie's been with us now for two weeks. And it's probably been a little bit of a whirlwind for her. She's starting to settle a little bit now. But we have the start of the season in seven days, which which for her is, is a really short space of time to get things together and to settle and to understand how the club operates, who sits in what seat and the group that she's got. She's done really well. She's come in and she's she's starting to settle now. So our focus is around spending the next seven days now making sure we're ready for West Brom for that first game of the season on the 20th of August. Um, so, yeah, everyone's really happy, positive in camp. We've had a solid pre-season. We've recruited really well. Um, I now sit in a new role as part of the coaching staff and really enjoying that, enjoying kind of focusing on coaching and, and my journey again and working with the players and, and getting the best out of them. Something that I'm really passionate about, particularly wearing red and white. It's something that, that means a lot to me. So I'm enjoying that role too. Um, and we're looking forward to the start of the season. Lou, thank you very much. Always good to hear from you and uh, bloody hell, yeah, significant changes. Uh, like you said, you know, Meg's left, but the good thing is still remains at the club. New staff, new manager, new players. Uh, I mean, the manager, I'm not sure if this is public knowledge or not, but the new manager is um, also not just dealing with the women's team. I believe she's uh, getting involved in the uh, the boys' youth teams as well. Um, so again, something that I think she's looking to kind of contribute uh, to that uh, has very much like direct communication up to the uh, the management team uh, at Stoke as well. So I think there there seems to be you know a, a lot a lot going on um, with the women's team directly and indirectly throughout the club as well. So um, a hell of a lot going on. Yeah, I think they share in so the youth coaches, aren't they, as well, and yeah. sort of learning from each other and and. Obviously, so it's the, the more ideas and then the more knowledge that they can share with each other, the better for everybody. Yeah, it, it, exactly that. Like it just it just opens up doors for everyone. And I mean, again, we talk about changes over the summer that have happened at the club. Well, I mean, I, I'm not, I wasn't privy to how much the connection was with the previous um, structure, but um, I never heard about this going on previously. So you kind of anticipate that maybe uh, this was a disconnect um, as well before, but um, perfect. Yeah. Luke, thank you very much. No doubt you will be on the pod and no doubt you'll be on at the Christmas special with your buzzword Arsenal to shout out for all your <laughs> quiz questions, uh, which um, is still one of the best things we've ever done on this pod was getting Lou just to, shout Arsenal every five minutes. It was bloody great. Um, before we kind of uh, finish up this particular section then, uh, Dan, I think we'll just run through some of the uh, transfer rumours. There's been a few more this week. Some uh, new, I think, but also uh, similar heads rearing uh, the next again. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, we've got Burger King, McDonald's, whatever, Whataburger. That's the one. <laughs> Whataburger. Um, uh, re- latest reports, there's some today. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday, aren't we? As as usual, um, there's been some reports flying around that Leeds are now in for him, um, but the fee doesn't quite sit with what's expected. So we're not sure how much truth is actually in that. Um, the other reports coming through are that Stoke has sort of agreed terms and whatever. And it's just dependent now on his all the uh, international clearance, work permit, and all that. Uh, somebody else who's apparently waiting waiting for a work permit. Uh, this has even made sort of the uh, the local paper, I think the Sentinel, is Jodic, 
the sort of 19 year old Serbian. Um, so yeah, apparently that's done 1.1 plus add-ons. We're just waiting for a work permit for that. Um, to be quite, to just bring an, bring another attacker in. So quite exciting. Apparently he's uh, described as a wonder kid. So we'll see how long we can keep hold of him. <laughs> if he comes in and it's the ground running, that'll be even better. Um, but yeah, he's another one to sort of add into that attacking pool. Um, junior, just going to leave it to Junior, obviously from yeah. Colchester, the right back. <laughs> Chamadeo. Chamadeo, Chamadeo, that's the one answer. <laughs> Colchester started right back, haven't they? So that's, you know. Yes. Now, this is interesting because Colchester this week brought an extra right back in. Then. When they played their match on last night, Tuesday night, um, the team news came out from Colchester. He was playing right wing back. And he then, uh, sorry, so Stoke fan then has quote tweeted it and put free junior. And he has liked that tweet. And <laughs> so I have visions of him sat in the dressing room. The manager's giving his team talk. He's sat there on his phone liking these tweets saying, get me out of here. <laughs> Um, In, interesting though, Dan, as well. When um, was it Lee? Don't loud and proud. Uh, yeah, I think it was. But Lee has yeah. basically then done a bit of a video, and he's gone on to the to the likes, and all of the likes from Junior from recent are all Stoke ones. So either he's on the biggest wind up of his life, or there is definitely some truth to the rumor. Uh, he's like he's like the one that says about your hand in transfer requesting, uh, which obviously was a few weeks back. I mean. It, it can't be a wind-up, can it, really? No, I think he's... What I like about this as well is this has been rumbling on for a few weeks. It's not going away. But also there's nobody else who's sort of come in for him, is there? It's like... It's not as if like we've been in for him and then it's alerted other clubs that he's available and now we're in a pool of four or five clubs chasing. It's as if he's got his heart set on Stoke. Anyone else who's inquired and been told, that, you know, if you're getting anywhere, it's going Stoke. And yeah, because he's obviously very highly rated. He's, I'm sure he's had other suitors or their interest. Um, if he is, if people got wind that he could be available, so yeah, it's nice to think that that we are the, the chosen ones for him. Um, so yeah, interesting. Another interesting. I suppose that's one that. What have we got here? Fifteen days left in the transfer window. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, that might be one that just goes that rumbles on and rumbles on. I think. Was there some hope for Tom Cannon as well? I, I, I've read today he's Preston you, is probably going to take him on loan. You have read my mind. The next person on my list, Ando, is Tom Cannon. <laughs> um, and I've got Tom Cannon, brackets, Preston. <laughs> um, yeah. I the, the latest we've seen on him is that uh, Everton have said that they will sell him for £8 million. I saw that £8 million, yeah. Yeah, yeah it seems a bit stick to me, that. Um, but he is still, if not, he's going to be available for loan. Last we heard was that Everton felt like they needed two strikers in before they'd let him leave. Um, now, obviously, now they're saying, I think, that they, they're going to let him go out on loan in the next week or so. And there's about five or six championship clubs in for him. Stoke is definitely one of them. Um, but yeah, Preston, it, he, I think he may, if he's going on loan, may favour a return to Preston. Uh, which is where he was last year. And you can understand that if he's got a bit of sort of knowledge about the thing. The same manager's still there. They haven't had many new players coming and going over the summer. So 
you know, he, I suppose he'd be feel comfortable going back to somewhere he he, he can fit right in. Do you think that we're not a, a bit to, for for a loan like that? It won't be the cheapest of loans. We've got several players that will will be there. The nature of how he plays, he's obviously not a target man by the looks of him. I can't say I, I'm not even going to claim to know that I've seen the guy play, um, but he's obviously not a Wesley. From what I from what I believe I've heard people say. So where does he fit in? Because Tyrese comes back on the left, you would say. We've got Vidigal, we've got Chico, we've got Wesley, we've got Mai. I mean, there's only so many bloody strikers you can have, right? And then you've also remember you've also got Tascal and Lowe who Yeah. Gale. You, you know, yeah, Gale. I mean like I say, people the, the young Tesco on low, but the thing is, he's had them in and around the first team. I mean, we went not to County my first game, first pre season game, and my Tesco's were the man down the middle, and he? <laughs> and, and he had a good game. And, you know, Alex Neal's shown with Sadibi if they, if they show enough promise and show they deserve a chance, he's not going to deny him that. So whether he's thinking, do I want another striker in there? It's gonna maybe in the long term be to the detriment of the lads I've already got in the building, the younger lads. I don't know. I just I just don't oh, see us using another loan on um we're gonna have five in the match day squad, can't you? Um but I don't think we'd use the last one on another on another striker. I think we you know if anything we need a uh, say we get junior right back, that one should be pretty much covered. We don't need any more centre backs. Um people would argue we might need a stronger left back. And obviously, maybe a, another centre midfield potentially, if you believe the rumours about Baker falling out with the manager and being the next one out the door. So I still think there's room in the middle there. So yeah, I, I don't see it personally. I wouldn't be against it. You know, it did okay at Preston, obviously, but I just don't see this one. I think this is one we've inquired about, and as you said, Dan, he'll probably prefer to go back to Preston. Um. On on the note of strikers, there is another striker we're linked with. That's Dion Charles, um, <laughs> probably probably linked with him with good reason as well because Alex Neal's been spotted at uh, Bolton Wanderers on Tuesday night watching Dion Charles, uh, who promptly got sent off in the match <laughs> <laughs> whilst his strike partner went and scored a hat trick. Um, yep. So yeah, so that's. That's how that one went down. Um, I'm sure he has been scouted and watched a dozen times, 20 times, whatever. I'm sure Alex Neal has watched many, many videos of him, probably could have been seen live before, more than once before. So the fact he got sent off isn't like, oh, well, you know, I come watch you and you get sent off, that's me done. Um, yeah, so we, we, we probably could see some movement on that. Um, would you prefer Dion Charles to say Tom Cannon and to? As a signing, we're looking to sign him, aren't we? Or is that, is that yes, yeah, I do, yeah. He'd have to be a permanent. Probably so. I mean, it, I know he got sent off last night, but I think we discussed his strangely non-prolific strike partner got a hat trick on the night. So, um, yeah, probably so. I think so. He, he did well last season. Uh, yeah, and I think looks, looks a good player. Looks a good player. So probably rather than have a loan of Cannon, and we're not going to buy him for eight million, are we? No, so, I can't but, see but that. I, I think, think if we do, so I'd rather bring Charles in. Yeah, I think if we're going to if we're going to splash big on a striker, I imagine it's probably going to be Ross Stewart, if anybody. 
um, purely because of the Alex Neal connection, and obviously um, he would. Then I think was it was it you, Mark? You said about maybe Rio Wesley comes in, um, we sign um, Ross Stewart, and obviously Wesley then is here while Stewart gets fit, and then obviously Wesley leaves in twelve months' time when Ross Stewart is hopefully back fit and playing games. I think it might have been Ben Rowley that, if I remember rightly. Yeah, but it, it, it sounds, you know, if that's the way they're going to do it, um, you know, from, from what I've been told um, from people who've spoken to people is that Sunderland may need to sell him this summer um, or sell somebody, shall we say, this summer. To So if he's going to leave, that could again just be clubs knowing that Sunderland not willing to budget the minute, but like I said, the, as the the minutes and the hours tick away on this transfer window, it, it, the more clubs know that they've got to do their business, um, the more Sunderland may have to get realistic in what they can expect to get for an injured striker. And of course, now we've got plenty of striking backup options. It's not like we desperately need to buy for an immediate impact. We've got a, you know, we can wait if needs be, which is probably something we couldn't have said. A month or so ago, um, yeah. which is why everyone was getting a bit hepped up when it was like, "Oh, we're after Stewart; he's not even going to be fit till January." January. I was just going to ask how long is he out for now? Yeah, so by that time he'll have been out for fourteen months. So yeah, it's oh. it's pretty bad injury what he's had. Um, but he's not the youngest, not the youngest chicken, is he? <laughs> In the. Uh, and then Rangers, Rangers were interested in him as well, weren't they? And he is Scottish centre Stewart. Yeah, and then obviously we have also got three defenders linked. Um, so just Erin Bayram played for Galatasaray Champions League. They did win the first leg three 0 so I think they made a few changes comfortably, knowing that they probably were going to go through. Um, I think as it stands, that deal is probably dead in the water, and there's been no sort of movement or anything on it for a long time now I think that's one we can probably forget about uh, he seems to be backing Galatasaray and I think there's possible stuff that's happened that maybe is, um, yeah, meant that that's not going to happen now uh, Bashir Humphreys from Chelsea uh, he's available on loan with Swansea in for him they were quite heavy favourites uh, but apparently Stoke have come, it's showing interest earlier in the summer Stoke are backing for him and are actually looking um, quite threatening to Swansea's sort of stranglehold on getting this loan deal done. Um, so, yeah, he's quite an exciting young centre-half. I'd be quite happy to have him in the pool. Where that would leave somebody like a McNally, um, to have two young sort of loanee centre-backs fighting out for, you would expect, one slot alongside Wilmot. I mm. don't know. Um, can't see the manager going to three centre-halves because he sort of spent the entirety of last season telling us how much he hated it. So, can't see that happening. Uh, and obviously, the other centre-back we've been linked with, the link that will not go away, my knows who I'm about to say, Axel Twanzebe. I, For me, if you have four, if you have five centre-halves on your side, you've definitely got room for somebody like that because when he plays, he is one of the best players, let alone defenders, in this division. And he can actually, you know, he's just like an absolute Rolls Royce at this level. Um, 
Rolls Royces don't break down as well. Yeah, he's, he's just maybe got a maybe he's put diesel on a petrol engine or something. He keeps breaking down. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. If you can get if you can get him fit, I think as long as the finance the finances are right, you don't want a stupid deal that's gonna, you know, one cost a fortune for a little little back, and also. Um, you know, upset the apple cart in the rest of the dressing room. That's the last thing we need right now. Um, but yeah, if the finances are right, I'm definitely getting back in. Like I say, and just getting fit when we can because I think he's that good a player at this level. He is a great player, and like you say, he, he does look a class above everybody else. Uh, it would be, nice. <laughs> be even nicer getting fit, wouldn't it? If we could keep yeah. him for the games. And I think if we get him in and we've got other centrals and it's not like you've got to chuck him in, then you wonder whether they can do some work, you know, to build him up and then put him in. Like they haven't got chuck him straight in the team because we're desperate for it. And I think if he if he's hanging on for a club who are going to give him what he what he maybe financially wants or first team wants, is he going to end up going to somewhere because who are going to pay him what he wants because they're desperate. Yeah. And they're going to chuck him in, and he's not had a preseason, and he's whatever, and he, he's not played friendly matches, or, you know. And then all of a sudden, he's like bang, and he's expected to perform. And I think that's that's probably the more chance of him breaking down doing that. Whereas if he comes to someone with a plan for him, who are going to say, yeah, you know, forget the next eight ten weeks, we are going to, you are going to play, um, you know, we are going to work you in the fitness, we're going to have a fitness regime for you. We're going to build you up. We're going to get you stronger. We're going to get your muscles stronger, whatever, in the gym and all that. And then we, you know, we'll play a couple under twenty-one games. You'll have a break from them. You'll go back, and then we'll be looking to get you in. What would you be looking to pay him, Jordan? Dan? Ideally, you want him on something that's related to not so much pay as you play, because I think those deals are few and far between, aren't they, at this level now? But maybe something that's related to his fitness in some way. So like, it's 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 a, it's a tough one. I, I've got no. If he's fully fit, I've got no exception with him. He's the top owner of this club. But I do, you can't bring him in and do that, and then watch him on the bench for eight out of the nine months. Any any final links then before we move on? Um, no. Uh, any, uh, I don't know uh, if Anto's in any, but uh, any of the business I can just put as well. Yeah, I think uh, I've found the people you've just mentioned. I've got most of the people you've just mentioned. So just to mention any other business as well, Rotherham ticket news has been released for the um, Carabao Cup second round tie. Uh, obviously, we meet again. Call Rotherham. I'm going to travel back up to the Bet365 so soon after being pummeled 4-1 on the opening day. Um, it's the same pricing structure as the first round game against West Brom. So a quid for young kids um, in your adult tickets are £14 or £12 if you are a season ticket holder. But, uh, yeah, no, thank you very much, boys. So good, uh, some well, plenty of transfer rumours there. And like you said, plenty of money to spend. So let's see what big ticket items we get. Uh, but that finishes off the new section. Let's now look ahead, of course, to um, a very challenging uh, but interesting game against Watford on Saturday. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Picture the scene all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Daniel, Watford, I take it you've been mega sleuthing as always uh, with your statistics and referee watch as well. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Yes, so we have played Watford 39 occasions, 16 wins, 16 defeats, 7 draws. So, yeah, quite an equal record there. Couldn't get much equal than that, could you? Um, At home, we've played them 20 times, eight wins, eight losses, four draws. (laughs) So, again, really level. So, what's happened in recent history? So, uh, we didn't actually play them in the league until 1982. Um, So, for me, I mean, I was born in 87. I've always seen sort of Watford in around the top divisions. Um, Ant, would you would you say that obviously before the early eighties and that were these sort of a lower league, a perennial lower league club? They were more lower league, weren't they? I mean, did, I remember the late. Was it? Let me think. I remember knocking out the FA Cup in the sixties. I don't remember it. I know they did, uh, but I think they were in the lower league then. They were in uh, Division Two, so they were mostly a Division Two side from where I can remember. Um. When they started to get more as a top division side was, was with John Barnes. And I remember goalkeeper Steve Sherwood. Didn't, did, but they had a good side, a really good side. A tricky winger as well. I can't quite bring his name to mind. Yeah, more a lower league club. Yeah, um, like I say, just 1982. It's always surprising. They're the ones that sort of at the latest date, like first game, if you like, that we play out of anyone in the championship. Um, but yeah, recent record against them. We've lost all four championship fixtures against Watford since we were relegated in 2018. Great. And in the in the championship, the last nine matches we've played at this level against Watford, we've drew two and lost seven, which dates, uh. back, to, dates back to 2004, uh, when we won 1-0 at Vickery's Road, thanks to ex-Watford player Gifton Noel Williams. Oh, my God, Gifton. <laughs> they did double on us last year, didn't they? 4-0 and 2-0. Yeah, didn't yeah. didn't score a goal last year. Um, our home record. So started uh, we started well. Two wins from two games. Scored six, conceded two. Cracking start. We'll take that, uh, especially after last season's um, poor form at home. Yeah, uh, Watford. So actually, Watford strangely have started with two home games in the league. So this is their first away game of the season in the league. They did, however, travel to Stevenage in the Carabao Cup first round, drawing 1-1 and losing 4-3 on penalties. So, they've had a good start, haven't they, in the league? You know, was it 4-0 and 0-0? 0-0 through with Plymouth, Dempsey Saturday. Yeah, but yet, like I say, the one away game they played, they went down to Stevenage during League 2 and, and like I say, didn't win the game and lost on penalties. Um... Last season, now we touched on it then, that last season we lost 4-0 at home to Watford. 
Now, this was the only time we conceded more than two at home all last season. So the only game, all those defeats we had at home, the Watford one was the only game all season that we conceded more than two in at home. Um, and it was actually the, the first time since Chelsea in 2017-18 that we conceded four goals at home. So it was our worst home defeat uh, since 2018. And it's only the second time in the Championship, the other one being a 4-2 defeat to to Sheffield Wednesday in 2007-8. Before that, the last time we conceded four at home was 1998. Can you remember which game it was? No. The final game of the season, we played Manchester City, lost 5-2, and both of us got relegated to Division 2. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So since that game in 1998, when we lost 5-2 to Man City on the final day, there's only a 4-2 defeat at in Sheffield Wednesday in 2007-8, and the Watford one last season, where we've conceded four at home in the Championship. Well, if everyone's not quite depressed enough uh, before this one, you certainly should be now. So basically, what you're okay. telling us, Dan, is from a stats point of view, we're not doing great. Uh, yeah, I've got really more, more? Yeah. bloody hell, mate. You have been busy. So, uh, Alex Neal's record against Watford 1 2, lost 5. Not great. <laughs> Valerie Ishmael, the Watford manager. Well, he is currently, he might be sat by the weekend. You know what they like. But <laughs> um, they've got uh, his record against Stoke 1 1, lost 1. Obviously, he's been charged at Barnsley and West Brom. And Alex Neal versus Valerie Ishmael is 1 0 to Ishmael. So, Stoke are level with last season's points after two games. So, last season after two games, we had three points. This season after two games, we also have two points. Uh, however, you know how we like to look at corresponding games? So, what did we get in this same game last season? The, the first time we get any points in that list is Hull, the eighth game of the season. So we did not get a single point in any of the first seven fixtures that we played this year last season. So okay. we did lo- we, you know, we lost the game so far. We lost at home to Watford, didn't we? Uh, you know, we were going to Millwall next. We lose there. We lost at home to Preston. We, you know, we lost, lost, lost. First point we picked up is in the eighth game of the season when we play Hull. That'll be the first game we play where we got something out of it last year. So whatever we get in the next few weeks is actually it's a positive, surely. It's it's a bonus compared to where we were at. <laughs> I'll take any shred of hope, Dan. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, as well. Uh, I mean, them, them games added to the last six games of the season. Would that make one point from the yeah, yeah. 12 games, something <laughs> like that? No, referee? Yeah, referee, go for it. James Bell. Um, so last season, he refereed 16 matches. There were four home wins, four draws, and eight away wins. So that's interesting. Uh, 48 yellow cards, two reds, and three yellow, uh, three penalties. Sorry. Um, this season, he's ref two games, gives seven yellows, no reds, no penalties. So he doesn't seem to be uh, affected so much by these new rules and more yellow cards than that. He's not gone up too much, uh, but obviously it's early doors, small sample sizes and all that. Um, he refed us, so he's never refed Watford, 
Um, but he had last season, he refed our 2 0 loss at West Brom in November. So, yeah, that's uh, that was the and it's only his ninth championship game that he's refereed in his career. This is so the other eight were all last season. Um, yeah, so we had two home wins, one draw, five away wins, 22 yards, no reds, two penalties in those eight championship matches last season. He seems to have a lot of away wins. Now, he's a young referee. Is he... I mean, we've touched on this point before, haven't we, Mike, about how referees climb ladders quickly. Mm-hmm. 50% of his matches are won by the away team, only 25% by the home team. Is this him saying, this home crowd doesn't bother me, Luke, I can give decisions against this crowd and and look at me, I, you know, I'm... I'm uh, nothing's, you know, you, they aren't getting to me. And if cloudy my judgment, I can give decisions against him. Is that how? Is that how he's managing to to sort of climb the ladder, so, so to speak? Well, it didn't happen at West Brom when we lost two 0 <laughs> No, I mean I can't remember. Was there anything controversial from that? I think we were just poor, weren't we? I don't think so. There wasn't. No, we were just poor. Yeah. Yeah, because it was the last last game, wasn't it, before the World Cup break? Yep. Yeah, so at least there's nothing there. Uh, one interesting thing is that um, he's, a, he's apparently a self-confessed Sheffield Wednesday fan. He used to be a season ticket holder there until he got until he was refereeing, and um, when he refereed Plymouth, he actually said to Ryan Lowe, he was the, the man, he was the manager at Plymouth at the time. He's now Preston. Uh, he said to him pre-match when he's sort of meeting him, oh, I used to sing your name on the terraces at Sheffield when I was, I'm a big Sheffield Wednesday fan, me, you're a hero of mine. <laughs> like, That's a bit of a conflict of interest, isn't it? Yeah, so um, apparently the first goal in the game there uh, was given to Plymouth and was a little bit of controversy behind it and the, the opposing manager uh, kicked a bit of a storm up out of that line, you know, said he, he wasn't very happy with uh, this had been said. Like, you know, it's So basically funny. saying he's cheating. Yeah. You can, you, you can, I mean, you, why would you come out and say it? Who you think? Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that caused a bit of a stir at the time. I think that was a couple of years ago. He's, he's probably learned to keep his mouth shut a bit more nowadays. Hopefully. Yeah. No, <laughs> so he not- comes out and says, I love your work at Barnsley, Valerie. <laughs> or he comes out and makes a Stoke hoofball comment and then we're screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's me done, that is. All static oh, out for you. Mate, yeah, that's epic work like that. Next level. Well done. Well done. Oh, actually, I tell oh, a lie. He's found something else. Look at him. We've got on this day. We can't not do on this day, can we? So let's have a look. Right, we've got three things. Pick a number. One, two or three? Two. Two. So Saturday the 19th of August, 1967. Stoke started the season at Highbury and came away with nothing as Arsenal ran out 2-0 winners. Tony Warrington gave a baptism of fire to young fullback Jackie Marsh and did not even tell the Tannoy announcer who was playing at Ryback. Marsh only made two further starts to his debut season but would then become a fixture of the team by the end of 68-69 and went on to play for the club until 1978. Lovely, nice one. Can we have another one if you've got three? Here we go, uh, one or three. Three. Go three. Go three. Three. Uh, Saturday, nineteenth of August, nineteen eighty-nine. After spending over one million pound in the summer, Anton says, "No, pick one. Pick one." (laughs) (laughs) 
The pressure was on Mick Mills and his men to deliver. On the opening day of the season, Stoke hosted West Ham, gave debuts to no fewer than four new signings. Wayne Biggins, Ian Cranston, Ian Scott and Derek Statham. The Potters rescued a point later on as Biggins scored on his debut, but they would not register their first win until... Any ideas, Anto? 1989? Yeah. Spent a million quid... And when did we get our first win that season? About the ninth game. Uh, probably about right. 17th of October. Um, who was it against? Let me think. Strangely enough, I remember the first game you talked about. Um, no, I give up. I give up. Oh, 1989. So, first victory was... Ah, of course it was. West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> <laughs> And it was the yeah, 12th game of the season, West Brom at home, 2-1. OK, well, Dan, thanks for the on this day, mate. Uh, that was the great little um, great little buy with that with that little book you uh, you found, mate. So uh, yeah. we'll do we'll, we'll try and do them every single week because, uh, uh, yeah, like I say, it was nice to get that overview. Um, just wanted to touch a base about Watford, by the way. So I was uh, listening earlier to the Rookery End uh, Watford podcast and I was just having, just wanted to do a little bit of research, see what they were thinking about the game, a few different things. Um, and, yeah, they were kind of saying that, you know, their, their game the other day with, against Plymouth ended nil-nil. They actually think they, they actually performed really well. And they used the word it was a fun game. So for any kind of neutral, you know, they would have been really happy with that. Um, you know, the start of the season's been positive overall for them. I think probably acknowledge that the cup game wasn't, the great results in the end, but but still, you know, they, they looked over like the last three games, what they'd learned, um, and kind of the key things that they kind of picked out was that you know if it kind of carries on again, they use the term "fall in love with their team again," which kind of gets you to think that you know a bit like Hawes, they've had a few dross seasons, and you know the fun is fun and you know identity and style of play is coming back. They're seeing commitment and effort on the pitch. You know, even if they're making mistakes like. As a team, they're starting to perform more of as a unit. And like I said, we use that word, but identity. You know, there's an identity and a clear plan. So actually, some similarities to us in terms of building something, you know, taking shots, you know, probably when other passes are on or maybe not quite clicking yet, which, again, is very much where we could probably say maybe not the long shots, but, you know, not quite clicking on all, you know, firing on all cylinders. So there seems to be a lot of similarities to, to ourselves right now, which is going along with them. So um, I think this is going to be a bloody difficult game. I think it'll be a, a very, very tight one. I know we haven't got a great record against them, as your stats have proven. Um, but for me, I mean, I'm not sure about you, Anto, but uh, this is Probably going to be one goal either way. I, I don't see anyone romping this one at all. No, definitely not. It's going to be a close game. I think people were a bit... Uh, who did they play first game? QPR? Yeah. 1-4-0. Um, well, they were wondering what was going to happen with Watford. Watford's a funny thing, Eddie, because they had three bad games. They sacked the managers, as we said earlier. So, you know, so... you. When they come out of the box, you can if they lose that, and then they lose the next one. They've lost the cup game. They're almost looking sack the manager, but um, he's had a good start, so they're going to be full of confidence. I think we are going to be full of confidence because you know we've we've done all right. So I know we like I say Saturday was a slight setback, but it is only a slight setback. Um, fancy a draw myself. 
Yeah, well, I mean, while we're on that subject and for, for predictions, okay, uh, we'll revert back to some what Dan thinks about the game uh, going into it. But I'm with you. I've gone for a 1-1 draw. Um, I, I'll, I won't predict a loss. I don't like predicting a loss ever, if I can help it. Um, but yeah, like I said, there the, the won't be much in it. Watford aren't any pushovers. Um, I still think it's been a decent start. Yeah, 4-0 is never a bad start. Uh, we kind of obviously we were first and second uh, at one point, weren't we? So um, yeah, one one's my prediction. But um, Dan, what are you kind of anticipating for this one? I mean, I think we'll. I've got a feeling we're going to all be on the same playing field here. We we can't go into this thinking anything other than it being a close game, can we? I take it you didn't hear me on Radio Stoke last night, then. <laughs> I um I did not. <laughs> um. Yes, well, I was very um, kindly invited on by Lucas Shermans for the Stoke City Hour, 6 till 7, every Tuesday. I'll give him a plug, I don't mind. <laughs> no no autographs, um, please. Yes, and I think, you know, you'll probably hear mine and Mike's voice on there, amongst other Stoke City podcasters in weeks to come. Um, and yes, we discussed the Watford game, and I said that I think we'd win three one. So I suppose I best <laughs> stay with that answer. Three one. I mean, yes. Christ, there's confidence, mate, and then there's being com- completely delusional. But uh, that's fine. <laughs> just, because, just because you just because you can't handle another week of haters, I'll have to take them this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, okay, we'll take it in turns. We'll we'll start we'll start to do what other other podcasts do and try and be really controversial. Um, yeah, three uh, one. So, um, what's your thinking behind a three one? Then, I mean, right. Well, I I sort of yeah. We we are in a WhatsApp group, aren't we, with podcasters from all over the championship, and. I know that Matt in there, the Watford fan, he is continually telling us how dreadful and how... And even when they won against QPR 4-0, his response was, that's the only game we'll win all season, don't worry. <laughs> and that Watford, that, that QPR game, um, I know they played, they obviously played really well. I think they had like 13 shots on target. They won 4-0. And Asmir Begovic in the opposition goal was, was in team of the week. That's you know that's how, how many how many they could have scored, but that QPR side is pretty dreadful. I mean, I know they beat Cardiff last week, but for me that that just sums the championship up. And I think yeah, that that QPR has those kind of results in them at any point. So they didn't beat Plymouth. They lost to Stevenage as well. And, this is their first away game. Now, we know ourselves, we've seen, I mean, last season we were awful at home and pretty decent away. This season, so far, very early doors. We've been very good at home. The away game we've played was pretty poor. I think there's been a lot of change at Watford. The, the team they put out last week, I look at it, three of the, one of them, an 18-year-old lad at Ryback didn't play last season. They had two centre-halves who were both new into the club. The only defender who was there last season and played actually was the left back. Um, so that's an entire new defence, really, to, to learn each other, isn't it? That's not ideal for them. Um, Ishmael, they've said, obviously, you know, he's expected to play the long ball. That's how he sort of played at Barnsley. That's how he played at West Brom. And did, 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 you know, you know what West Brom are like. They didn't, they didn't enjoy that. And I think that's why he didn't stick around very long there. But I think you've touched on it there, Mike. 
at Watford so far, he seems to have not played that way. I do wonder if away from home, especially if we're going to be trying to keep possession of that, will he set up differently? You know, they've had this is the very early stages in the season. He's there and he, you know, new to the club. Yeah, they're saying, oh, we're playing lovely football, we're getting downwind. This isn't what we were expecting from Ishmael, not what he usually does. But they've only played home games really so far. They haven't played away. I think you might see a different style to how they have been playing. That's my thought process. And you look at the outgoings they've had this from there. Over this summer, they've lost Xiao Pedro, massive loss. Um, Asambolonga, not the player he used to be, but he's gone. Leandro Bacuna, Craig Cathcart, Tom Cleverley, Dan Gosling. Um, who else have we got going out here? Uh, Mario Gaspar. We've got Christian Cabaselli, Ismaili Saar. All you know, they've all left the club. Um, that's you. If you're going to struggle with that kind of turnover, as we've sort of alluded to ourselves, there's, that's a lot of players to lose in one go. Do you know what I mean? Like in, in, and to try and replace. And I mean, some of them have only just left you know, in the past couple of weeks, haven't they? Um, and it looks like Camselli and Saar only left you know, just before the season started. So for me, they've had a massive overhaul. They may have had that impetus on the first day. They're coming up against a poor QPR team. The nil-nil against Plymouth possibly shows a bit more where they may be at um, for me. But I'm happy to say that I do think it's going to be a really entertaining game. That we've got two sides, two maybe two styles who could be uh, go at each other, or it could be a two different styles. And it's can we sort of break them down if they go a bit stronger and they go back to Ishmael goes more back to his roots you always say um, in this game they've got a bit of pace down the sides haven't they yeah and that's what makes me think away from home if we, especially if we're going to keep the ball come on to them is he going to be happy that we Stevens gets forward or time and whoever is on the left Hoover bombs forward and then all of a sudden they absorb that get the ball and quickly move it into the strike who can then knock it off into the wings or even you know, hit the wings direct. Yeah. You've convinced me, Dan. 3 1, Stoke. You've convinced me. <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm giving it to each. Okay, two each. Well, I'm sticking to me 1 1. Dan, you've done a very good job of, of justifying why you've gone for 3 1. The bit that we've cut out is where you said you wouldn't have any of their players in our team. <laughs> and. <laughs> And that they're a load of crap and you wish they'd dissolve. I mean, we'll, we definitely will cut that out for you, Dan, so don't don't you worry. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, right, anyway, uh, let's get some audio uh, out of the way, shall we? So, uh, Mr. Graham McGarry, Mr. Reliable Graham, never goes for a, a Stoke loss, typically. Um never normally goes for a Stoke loss anyway and also we've got then some opposition audio from Watford the Rookery M podcast like I've said uh, have uh, also been in touch with their overall thoughts, no doubt you'll see some similarities so let's listen to both of those Welcome along you Potter's predictors, once again you're getting ready for a weekend game this time at home to Watford having had a free week off the back of a disappointing result at Portman Road against newly promoted Ipswich Town well, Watford themselves are not having the best of starts. And once again, Stoke City, we're hoping that the home crowd can get right behind them and get that winning ways back into the team. 
going to be a tricky game, never much between the two sides, but I just think that Stoke, having disappointed, having started the season really well, having disappointed last Saturday, this week on the training ground will have done them good. I'm sure Alex Neal will have them ripe to put in a performance. So I'm going to go for a slight win in terms of the scoreline. Stoke City are going to edge it 1-0. Hello, it's Mike from the Watford podcast from the Rookery End here. And do you know what? I'm pleasantly surprised by Watford's start to the season. Yes, we've been dumped out of the Carabao Cup by lower league opposition, but that was uh, on penalties after a one-all draw away at Stevenage. We thumped QPR, albeit a very lustre QPR, on the opening day and had a really enjoyable nil-nil with Plymouth in our last league game. And while that may not sound like uh, the start of a season for um, a team that's tearing up too many trees, believe you me, is a massive improvement on the dirge that we had to watch last season. Valerian Ishmael is using most of the players that were here last season. Obviously, some high-profile departures. Xiao Pedro tearing up in the Premier League. Ishmael Assad on to Marseille. But he has got this team playing at last. And I think Watford fans are a little bit trepidatious that they might be seeing uh, long ball, very direct style from Valerian Ismail. Well, not a bit of it. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, he's got us playing out from the back, which is giving Watford fans a few palpitations. We're asking Dan Batman, the new Watford captain and goalkeeper, to play out from the back. And he's definitely taking um, a bit of time to get used to that. A few errant passes. And that's probably has been the biggest complaint amongst Watford fans so far. Apart from not scoring enough goals, we definitely need a number nine. Vakun Bayo uh, scored once in the league, once in the cup. But he is a, pretty much the only striker that uh, Valerian Ishmael has used so far. And he's not up to it. So we do need a new striker. Um, but apart from that, yeah, it's a playing out from the back that has seen us play our way into danger um, in all our games so far. And I think with this... Watford's first away league game uh, at the Bet365 at Stoke. I think this is what everyone is waiting to see, certainly from a Watford persuasion, how Watford are able to cope away from home when, they, when, they, when the home team is going to be on the front foot, really, really putting Watford under pressure, really putting the goalkeeper, that back line under pressure. And now other teams have seen what Watford have done and seen where they are succeeding, but also seen where they're, where they're struggling. And that has been with this playing out from the back. So I fully expect Stoke to, to try and exploit that. But from our point of view, we're, we're looking forward to it. So it's another really good test for this sort of rapidly evolving Watford side. And whilst if I had to put any money on it, my, my, my money would probably be on a, on a home win, just because I think there is so much work for Watford to do in terms of, Getting, getting used to playing out from the back and solving the striker problem. Um, I, I think Watford fans are looking, looking forward to it, to see how they cope to what will undoubtedly be a really, really tough challenge. And there won't be too many Watford fans, I don't think, complaining should we lose because at least we're trying to play a particular way, trying to play a particular system. And the players, perhaps most importantly of all, look like they want to be there, look like they understand what, what they're doing and look like they want to be there playing for the badge and playing for the supporters. So whatever happens, we're looking forward to it. It's already been more enjoyable than uh, last season. Hopefully I'll be still be saying that uh, at about quarter to five on Saturday afternoon. Cheers, Graham. Thank you very much. And obviously thanks to obviously uh, the Rookery M podcast. Appreciate it. Uh, so Graham's gone for, I said it was going to be one goal either way, and he's He's on, he's on my wavelength at the very least. So he's gone for a 1-0 win to Stoke, um, which is which is interesting because if both of they go for wins and we don't win and we draw, then me and you get points, Santo, for uh, the league table. So are you still 
I don't know. Have you been convinced to to commit to your win, or are you going with your draw? Going with me two two. I think there's goals in, in both sides, so I'm going to go with two two. Okay. He, has, he hasn't convinced me that much, no. <laughs> and he also nice. said there wasn't a lot between us usually. It was there were six goals between us last year. So um, no, I'm sticking to each to each. Yeah, okay. there's six goals between us. It was just unfortunate they were all in one net. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to give my team first this week. Normally, I end up like Dan going first or Ben or whoever's, whoever the guest is. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be selfish this week. Uh, so my team, I'm pretty comfortable with it. I, I think it's not going to be too much stronger than this. So uh, the same formation we always play, 4-3-3. Uh, we're going to have Travers in goal, Henry and Tymon, um at fullback. We're going to have McNally and Wilmot um, playing centre-back. We've then got uh, Loren, Pearson and Johnson. Midfield kind of picks itself. And the front three of Vidigal on the left, Chico on the right and Wesley through the middle. I think Wesley will get his chance. Mai has played a few games um, and I would say he's, he's, he's had his chance. He, he's played a few games, not quite clicked yet. Don't need to put any more pressure on him. Don't need to make him, you know, a target potentially if he has another bad game. Um, he's still finding his feet. So for me, Wesley's done well in the cup. He's been, uh, you know, a handful um, again at the weekend. He deserves his chance to start. Uh, so I definitely think that that's the way he will go. Like I said, the midfield picks itself. Timon, he comes in for a lot of stick, Josh Timon. Yeah, he's not been great since he came back from injury. Um, Kind of expected in some respects. I don't think Stevens is what we need at home. I think we need a Josh Tymon, uh, you know, attacking type of player that Josh brings. I think that's what we need on the left hand side with Vidigal, just like we would have with Chico and Henry on the other side. Um, Stevens is probably a decent one to have away from home. So that's why I've gone for them. And I think Rose, from what we were saying earlier, Dan, you know, the, the decision to go near post and stuff like that, maybe that there's a reason that McNally kept him out of the team against Coventry. Obviously not ruling them out, but I think he's not brought him in alone just to be a bench warmer and someone who's going to be a backup. So I think this will be the perfect time now for McNally to come in and make that centre-back place his own for at least a few weeks. So that's my team. Um, Anto, are you making many changes to that particular I've, team? I've got exactly the same team as you. <laughs> okay. I've got, as I went down, as I couldn't believe it, because I put Manali in, Rose. I put time in it mainly because of their pacey forward line. Um, and he will get forward. We know he, he puts in great crosses. So that was that was my that was why I put Timons in rather than Stevens. Although I think Stevens is a bit unlucky because he's actually played well. Uh, I think you're right uh, about the crosses from Timon though. If we've got Wesley in the middle, mate, for a bit of you know, hopefully aerial dominance and certainly a physical dominance, then that's the one thing that you could say has been missing from previous seasons when when Josh has been delivering. Well, at home, especially where, where we expect to be on the front foot, hopefully, you know, there's got to be more crosses going into their box. So yeah, yeah, Wesley, I'm start, I'm starting before Ryan. Uh, uh, Chiquino and, and Vidigal, Lauren. Yeah, exactly the same as yours. You know what? I was actually quite good. I was listening back to the uh, the YouTube video today and I thought that I came up with Chico for uh, Chiquino and buddy Alex Neal, uh, I think, has clearly been listening to the podcast and has decided to steal it and call him Chico in training. Um, 
So, uh, Alex, if you are listening, stop being selfish. Give me some credit. Um, Dan, are you making any other changes to the team? You, you can drop us a DM on Twitter if you're listening, Alex. If you want to pop on, yeah, we don't mind. Give you, you can spare an hour of time, can't we, Mike? If you want to talk to him? I suppose, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually got two changes from that. I was 50, I was you know, toss up between Stevens and Tymon for your reasons in particular, uh, and to obviously the pace and everything. But I just think Stevens. I went for him because he's that little bit more defensively solid. And I think time and with his pace can probably get back and help out better. But um, Stevens, I think, maybe knows more what to do when he gets there. Um, and I think as well, what I mean was the fact that Vidigal in the last home game that they played together, the link up between uh, Vidigal and Stevens, uh, Vidigal ended up with a brace, didn't he? So... Obviously, something's working there and that. So I thought maybe not just change that, give that another go. But Stevens didn't have the best of games against Ipswich. And if he doesn't, um, you know, if there's another sort of lacklustre display from him against um, Watford, then definitely Josh Timing is waiting in the wings to come on uh, and possibly would even be subbed on. I mean, you've got five substitutes. I see no change. If, if, if he isn't working in the first half, then it's. You know, switch over at half time. Uh, the other change I have is I haven't got Chiquinho playing. I've got Ryan May on the right wing. So still got Wesley down the middle, but moving May out to the right. Um, oh. He went he went out onto the wing in the cup game towards the end and apparently looked quite good. Um, you know, from what sort of Tom's feedback for what he said to me, that he looked better out on the wing than he was down the centre. He you know, looked to have a little bit more time in that on the ball. And I also think that um, Chiquino's game, I don't know if I'm possibly over, you know, sort of prejudging him because we've seen very little really of him, haven't we, in all fairness. Um, he doesn't strike me as somebody who's going to get back and help the fullback. And I think maybe Keanu Hoover possibly needs the that good going forward. It's a bit similar to Josh Tyman, better off going forward than maybe going backwards. And Ryan May, I think, is sure with his. He's got a bit more work rate about him, maybe. And we'll just give a little bit more support to um, Hoover if required. Mm, okay. Of course, then you've got Chiquino's pace, haven't you, when the game opens up. If the game's still pretty even, last 15, 20 minutes, you can throw on somebody with his you know, ridiculous amount of pace. and. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see how Chico gets on. I think he's not quite settled yet. You could definitely say that. I thought when he came on against Rotherham, um, he was completely ineffective. Now I know it's a different phase of of the game there, uh, but I didn't think he really offered us anything. But uh, yeah, it not really any particular arguments about what he's saying. I just I think I prefer mine and Anto's team. Uh, but I think you easily could have gone the same way as as us, by the sounds of it, anyway. So. It, it's it's slightly unfair to. I don't think Stevens was one of the worst ones on Saturday, and he certainly played well in the other games. So uh, he is a bit unlucky. Yeah, but, I liked him. I think he had a really good game against Rotherham. To be honest, how we, how well he played and linked up with Vidigal against Rotherham. That's why I didn't want to move. To, I mean, I'm a big Josh Timer fan. I love Josh, but I just thought that link up there. I think it's harsh to break that. It is harsh. It's, 
Yeah. Okay. Still dropping him. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess that's the difference here. Like we've actually got some competition. Um, again. So yeah. Yeah, really, really positive. I think either side, either side is capable there. Um, regardless of who comes in. So. Uh, this should be fine. Um, any final comments from you boys before we move into Super Six Gaffer, and then if Dan's got one, a quiz. I do have a quiz. Uh, one thing I would just back up what you said about McNally as well. There's there's a reason why Luke McNally is so highly rated and um, so loved by Coventry fans. who was six months there last year, and although Rose come in did a job at the start. I think it was just a matter of time, or it is a matter of time at this point until McNally takes the shirt. And I think when he does, I can't see Rose getting it back for a significant amount of time. No, I'm going to see if that's this weekend. Again, I thought Rose had a good start against Rotherham the last two games. He's been questionable. So, um, okay, all right, cheers, thank you very much. So, Super Six. Um, yeah, I mean, Matthew Pye, you absolutely nailed it this week. Like, Matthew picked up, Dan, 21 points, which is a, a brilliant week any time of the season. Never mind, you know, f- first ones and trying to predict the results. And, yeah, really good work, Matthew. Uh, Tim Hall, though, very respectable. Uh, joint second with, um, I think, Paul Hurd and Sam Humes. There's few, kind of a few of you there. I think they had 16 and then uh, Nathan Dykes with uh, one point behind was 15th. Um, I had a poor one, a measly nine points, which is quite embarrassing when you're shouting about those numbers. Uh, but still, the most important thing is I beat Dan, who only got six, which is really all that matters. Um, so, yeah, uh, not um, not a great start, but I normally start slowly and uh, you know I, I pick up as the season goes on. It takes my brain a little bit of time to... To put the maths and you know figure out who's going to be better. So, uh, yeah, I'll take my nine points, but excuses, lots of room for improvement. Excuses. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure that I mean obviously I'm not in the gaffer league uh, as we've already pointed out. I know that Anto and you, Dan, are, are both in there. So I'm assuming you got the gaffer uh, scores on the doors again. I do indeed. So, Anne O'Malley with 160 points, leads the way with a team name of Bon Vivant. Um, second place is Saul Lauser. Loser. What's about Lauser? It's quite a thing. He's playing Watford this weekend as well. They're second on 158. And in third is at Stoke Gaffer, who's named his team Hoovering Up. Oh, dear. <laughs> as in Keanu Hoovering Up. Uh, he's on 157. He's in third place. Uh, I am 26th with 104 points. Uh, Anto, you are sitting in 45th with 79 points uh, with your team, which is called... Samandoria, I think. Saman- <laughs> yes, that's the one, Samandoria. Um, yeah, so that's your gaffer update. I am hoping... I mean, I thought I was on for a good week, right, because I saw that... Um, Osan Tufan, the whole whole midfielder, he scored a hat trick, and I was like, "Oh, he's in my gaffer team. This is me. I'm going to fly up the league. What a game!" And then I looked, and I got barely any points anywhere else. So I was like, "It's a good job he did get that hat trick. Otherwise, I'd have been there right down the bottom." It's a pretty strong start. 
Yeah, that's your gaffer. I'm going to have a look and see if anyone in Tyrese has had to come out of my side. And Tefter is my captain in week one. So well, I'd, uh... don't take him too far away, actually, because if you watch that YouTube video back from Stoke today, as much as he's, you know, the rumour is always going to be out for two months, three months, number of weeks, he was running around the pitch today. So if he's months away, which he clearly isn't, he won't be running around a pitch. He'd still be doing recovery and, and work on that. So I reckon he's going to be back a lot quicker than people think he's going to be. So don't take right. him too far away. I've got a new right winger for Saturday's team. Can I probably just go change and make a little alteration? Just <laughs> stick all of him in the team if he's running around the training for ground. Sorry, Ryan May, you have to sit on the bench. Tyrese is back. <laughs> Yeah, but he was running around with the uh, the fitness coach while, while the lads were doing like some short. Uh, it wasn't eleven aside, but you know, short kind of like five aside uh, passing and moving. And you could just see Tyrese running there with the coach around the pitch. So he isn't two or three months away. So he'll be back in a couple of weeks, I reckon. It's nice. I mean, not nice that he's injured, but it's nice to see him working with the fitness coach away from the group for everyone who was terrified that we were actually selling him on the back of losing Jacob Brown as well. <laughs> it's like, no, no, look, he is injured. He really is. It's not a lie. It's not one of those August slash January things where someone's picked up a, a three or four week knock just while they agreed terms elsewhere. He actually is injured. <laughs> Yeah, it's been nice seeing back around the team, don't it? He's, he's, a, he's a good asset, uh, Teresa's. It'll be Ty yeah. on the left and Vidigal on the right. That's exactly what's going to happen. Would you would you move Vidigal over from the left after he scored those two goals? I mean, I'm not necessarily wanting to. It's just when you when I think about where Tyree spent a lot of his time, it was on the left last year, wasn't it? I, I know he yeah. goes on both sides, but he's mainly on the left. So is Tyree happy? Remember- I don't know. I remember a comment Alex Neal said about um, he he had Brown on one wing and Cam on the other, and he said that sometimes teams play narrow, and then he wants his left footer on the left, his right footer on the right, because he wants to play with width and try and stretch them because that's where the space will be for them if they're out like hugging the touchline. If you know, again chalk on the boots, um, he says, and then obviously he also uh, then we have teams who play quite wide with about four or whatever and they will you know the, the fullbacks themselves will play quite wide in which case then he switches them over and he switched his right foot on the left his left foot on the right because they then had the opportunity to cut into the space between the fullback and the center off um mm. so with this obviously Vidigal thinking back is right footed uh predominantly Although I think I've seen him use left and right in that first game, but I think looking back at his goals, and he's definitely right, you know, favours his right. Uh, was quite a competent to his right anyway. Tyrese is left and two left footed predominantly. So again, you've got that that opportunity there, haven't you, for him to go today, lads? You're on the right, you're on the left. Switch over, switch over in game, whatever. I'm still standing by the fact, I know we're going for a bit of a tangent here, but I'm standing by the fact that the best thing that could have happened to Tyrese was getting injured. Not for Tyrese's benefit for ours. Because I do I do think if we would have had a half decent offer come in for Tyrese, we might have accepted it. I think Before by the time he's potentially, I think we would have potentially sold both of them, Dan. Not that we'd want to, but again, we don't. We're not privy to the conversations that are happening around his contract. If he has turned round and said, "I aren't willing to do anything right now," 
maybe we would have thought, well, okay, we've had a, I don't know, seven million quid offer from Sheffield United or whatever. That would have been very, very difficult to turn down if that was his stance. It might not be. He might want to sign up. But Tyrese, can, I think, can sign a pre-contract in January, can't he? Um, if he doesn't with sign on again club. with a foreign with club, he might yeah. want to go abroad. He might not do have any interest. Players like going abroad. I mean, bloody hell, he might go where to Saudi and get himself twenty-five house, a mansion, a Lamborghini, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that bloody Neymar has been ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he could sign abroad, or he'll just bide his time out and go for nothing. So it's a very tricky situation, one we need to sort out sharpish. But um, yeah, apologies. I'll, I'll let you carry on. <laughs> nope, that's it. I think we're all done. I think we can go into the quiz now because I think this podcast, um, pre-editing at the minute, is nearly two hours long as it stands. So. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, yes, so would you like your quiz, your six towns challenge? Go on, I've failed the last two weeks with Ben, so I'll put me and then Ben. So uh, yeah, please make it easier than last week. Okay, so and and so, did have you, you seen how this works? Did you see I, the I, last? I one? don't know. He has explained to me earlier on. So there's going to be there's actually eight answers on this one because there is three people in joint six. So you've got to name eight names, and I'm going to allow you allow you to get two wrong. So you'll take it in turns, and you've got to work as a team to get the top six slash eight in this case. Uh, of the following subject, I'll tell you the subject in a minute. So yeah, you've got to name name all the people down, top six on the list, um, and you take it in turns. And once one of you's got two wrong, you then as it are eliminated, and the other person will carry on. If they get two wrong before they name all the people, then uh, all the correct answers should I say, then um, you've lost. Or if you can name all the correct answers. Before losing your two lives, then you will have conquered the Six Towns Challenge for this week. This week's subject, last week we did um, appearance, well, uh, the, sorry, the last time with Ben, sorry, we did the appearances, didn't we, in the championship. This is who has scored the most goals for Stoke City since we were relegated in the 2018 it only includes championship goals. So who scored the most championship goals for Stoke since we were relegated back into this division in 2018? There have been 50 different Stoke players who have scored for us in that time. Like I say, there are three players joined sixth. So which are the... So ideally you want eight. Who are the eight names? Mike, you can go first. Since we've come back, oh, I certainly won't be bloody Berahino, and that's not a guess, by the way. I'm just saying who, who it won't be. Berahino, um, no, don't you dare. I <laughs> am. <laughs> um, oh God, don't want to waste my lives. I started off really quick the other week, and I messed one of my lives up. Um. So I don't think all these are going to be strikers. We haven't had a very, very good strikers, um, have we? With Stoke. Yeah, so midfielders, who have we got? Oh, I'm gonna to have to go Jacob Brown. He's got to be up there. Jacob Brown is third on the list 
with 26 goals. It's Jacob. That sounds so he, Jacob. <laughs> he topped the scoring chart, and he topped the appearance charts, didn't he, last time, with the most games. Well, he's got 26 goals. Third on the list. Right. So, go on, Anto. You can do it. <laughs> we, can, we, we can confer, can't we, before you submit an answer? Well, I think the midfielders, because like you said, there's not not a lot from the strikers, really. I mean, Tyrese has got to be up there, hasn't he? Yeah, I would go. I was. It was either Jacob or Tyrese for me, so I'm going to go with Tyrese. Tyrese Campbell is top 28 goals, first on the list. Okay, so... I'm trying to remember them first. That's what I'm trying to think of to that that season. Um, I mean, oh. imagine, imagine. You know, I was going to say Bojan for a set then Anto, but I don't think he scored that many goals, did he? For no. us, unfortunately. Um, oh, oh, I'm trying to think. He, oh, I might be good. What about Mam Anto? Was it two Premier League? For Mama, in the end, he's 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 career faded away with us. In the end, did he even yeah. play in the championship yeah. for us? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think Mama's. Well, excuse me, excuse me. It's supposed to be your guesses, not 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 getting somebody else to talk out of it. Oh, okay, okay, right, fair enough. <laughs> um, okay, let, let 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 me think then. So, I've, oh, this is a bit left field. I've got to go for Nick Powell. <laughs> that that pains you to say that, doesn't it? Nick Powell, who by the way is injured again for Stockport. He's not. <laughs> Apparently so. So oh, I hear or something. Um sorry, Nick, get well soon. Not laughing, not laughing at the fact that you're injured, just just the fact that, that Mike's obviously gonna be like, again. Yeah, told you again. <laughs> um, Should have retired. Is he on this list? He is indeed. He is second with 27 goals. So Campbell, Powell, Brownie are top three. Those are the three you've got. You've still got two lives left, and you've got the five underneath to get. Right. I'm, I'm thinking of midfielders now. How many did Baker get last year? Cause I'm it's not so- allowed to help you, apparently. Did you say stop it? <laughs> What's the top one? Dan? You, you, you what, sorry? How many are we looking for? In the top six, but there are three who are joint six, so it's eight in this, in essence. Trying to think Would... We've had nothing from strikers, really. Well, obviously we have from the couple there, but... See, I can think of one who is someone that we'd all be well. We're glad that he's left, but I'm not allowed to tell you. So, oh, get so moody though. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, I haven't got a clue. Don't name out there, Anto. Who was he said before? Baker. Lewis Baker, fifth on the list, fifteen goals. Yeah, he scored about eight last year, didn't he? Yeah, he got eight in his first six months, and he got seven last season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's got a fifteen. 
that sort of shows you a bit lower now where you're looking for. Obviously, if that's fifth and there's three players on six underneath, it's showing you that maybe you don't need that much to get out of you. <laughs> okay, so I'm thinking this one might not be far off then. Um, Sam Klukas. He's fourth on the list with 18. What a good show that was. Yeah, he got 11 in one season, didn't he? So, yeah, he's uh, he is fourth on the list. So, you've now named the top five. You've still got two lives left. Who are the three players all in joint sixth? Oh, right. Oh, God, this is tricky now. Evans. Joe Allen. Ooh. Joe Allen, double figures, 10 goals. He is the next one. After eight, so he's in ninth. He's, so you know now that you're looking for people, players who've scored more than ten. Oh, um, def- no defenders. We haven't had good defenders since Shawcross and Hooth for goals. Will Wilmot's the closest that has come, but there's no way he scored more than ten. So it's got to be another midfielder. It has. Um, certainly won't be Selena. Tell you that. Uh, I'm trying to think. What, what what year did we get relegated again? Eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. So 18. the last five years. This is season number six. Mm. Evan Vimmer. <laughs> I was just thinking about players from the defence, but there's no way it's a defender. And crap. By the way, you saying we saying we've had no goal scoring defenders. Kiana Hoover says hi. <laughs> that that can't count. It can't no, be Hoover. Well, yes, he got yes, scored sixteen. So no, uh, no. did he say it was ten or more, or is all? Yeah, over ten. Yeah, it's going to be over ten. Penalty, um, penalty the number's actually twelve. I'll give you yeah, the, the, the three that you got left have all scored twelve. Oh, did did he have a good season? Oh, I might be losing a point here. Oh, did Tom Ince have a good season when he first joined us? So I'm going to go Tom Ince. So in the first season, Tom Ince got six. His next season, he got three. Oh. And then in his final season, he got another three to get 12. Yeah! Oh. Yes! <laughs> so, yes. Inc- incidentally, Tom Ince now plays for Watford. <laughs> but has been injured since April. <laughs> so despite being injured and still being injured, he's managed to secure himself a new club this summer. Well done to that, Tom. Your agent is obviously doing some grand work. <laughs> um, but yes, unfortunately for us, he won't be there on Saturday or he won't be on the pitch anyway. Wonderful time wheel him out at half time to take the applause <laughs> of everyone. He is an old, an old legend back. <laughs> so, do, do, do we conquer it then, Dan? Do we conquer it? Or, 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 or... Uh, no, you've, you've got two more joint six. Oh. So two more players, you've got 12. Oh, I've oh, lost, 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 lost. It's extended. We, we've we've had to include two extra towns this week. Um, James McLean? James McLean has scored 12 goals for Stoke City. In his time oh, there, so yes. You've got, so, you've got one more. Come on, Anto. One more. And you've still got um, Anto's got one life and you've got two life. Throw me some names. 
Bloody hell. Tom and Swiss, the last one. Tom there. I think, I think I'm being flattened out on this one. No, nobody. I should be able to just chuck a name out, shouldn't I? Just chuck it, just chuck any name. Who's played for Stokes and got relegated? Just chuck a random name, a random striker. <laughs> I can't. Think of all the dross we've had up front. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, but obviously, yeah, it's not many, is it? 12. 12 goals. Can't they? Because somebody scored that many goals. If we had, we're no, have we're to rush. We're we're have to rush, yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've gone, mate. I've gone. I've gone. Nobody. No. Anto's, Anto's out of the game. Mike, it's all on you. You've got three guesses at this, essentially. So, because you've got two lives left. Who's your first one? Mm. Oh, mate, I'm running out of names as well here. Um... He is a striker, let me tell you. Think back to who we've had since we came down. Who's played up front? Well, we've had people like Seema and stuff like that. I mean, I don't think he was anywhere close. I can't join in on this, can I? No. Um... I've, I've thought of another striker, but I can't. <laughs> Go on, throw it out there, Anton. I'll let you. I'll, we'll Go replay. on. The goals, I was going to say a phobie. A phobie? Eight, eight goals for a phobie. He was crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've really, I mean, I, the only other, other strikers I can think is Lee Gregory. Ooh. Lee Gregory, seven goals, Lee Gregory. We've got yeah. Fletcher. The, there it is. There's the one. You've just lost the last side. That's the man you're looking for, Stephen Fletcher. Too late, too late. Too little, too late. What, I, did, I, did, we, did I use three answers there? I don't think I did. I'm Fletcher. <laughs> Um, well, you got two wrong, didn't you? That was your problem. You said I had three. Oh, that's... that's mm. uh, we'll, we'll call VA, yeah. VAR on that one. Yes, um, I misinformed you. <laughs> okay, well, I'm saying we conquered that, and I don't care what Dan says. Um, so... <laughs> We got there eventually. <laughs> that was a great effort, though. I'm not going to be funny. That, that's a great effort when you think back to the bloody players we had. Uh, but it was the uh, like the Sam Clucases and stuff on it. Um, anyway, yeah, well, Dan's very right. We've now been online for two hours and 20 minutes. This is pretty crazy. Uh, what the actual final duration is may not be what you were uh, actually here, but. Um, would, you, right. would you like me to just give you some things here? You mentioned, you mentioned Berahino, three goals. Yeah. You mentioned Bojan. One goal, that header at Rotherham. You mentioned Mamjouf. One goal. The goal against Wigan in Mark O'Neill's first home game, I believe. The injury time winner. Yes. Um, you mentioned Ben Wilmot. Four goals. Yes, I think that is... Uh, they're the other ones I think you mentioned. And who would have thought we'd have Dwight Gale for a season and he wouldn't be on 12 or more? Not many. <laughs> okay, well, let's call it a day. Uh, been really good, uh, Anto. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. We'll uh, we'll get you on sooner. Uh, this this coming time, anyway. Uh, won't won't leave until Christmas. <laughs> I look forward to Christmas. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have some fun. 
we'll put your face on our roulette wheel and we spin it to decide who comes to join us. I remember <laughs> one, of the last, one of the last times I was on, I remember just brought to mind was when I predicted Stoke would win the last six games after the Norwich match <laughs> and get in the playoffs. How wrong was that? Mm, a little bit off. Uh, so yeah, but th- thanks for joining us. As I really appreciate it. It's nice talk to you both, and you and Daniel. As always, thanks very much. Some great intel, some great stats, and everything as well. Uh, so yeah, and everyone else, enjoy Saturday. Enjoy the three points uh, that no doubt we're going to get, despite me predicting a draw. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.